everybody, and welcome back to The One Thing Podcast. I'm Chris Dixon. Today, I had Julie Ciardi on the podcast, and Julie and I had a great conversation about why it's so important to be intentional about designing the life that you want rather than just living your life by default. Julie leverages her vast experience as a senior executive inside of Fortune 50 companies in sales and marketing to help women be intentional about designing their careers and the lives they want, their businesses based on who they really want to become. And that's what I really loved about this conversation. No matter where you are or who you are, what you're trying to achieve, it's so important to consider who you want to be and why your being matters. It's so easy for us to fall into a trap of repetition or an income or lifestyle trap that keeps us from pursuing the person that we want to be, the lifestyle we want to have. But ask yourself, what's at risk if you don't make a change? Here at The One Thing, we believe in the three Ps, purpose, priority, and productivity. If you have clarity on your purpose, you know what you should prioritize over time, the things you should say yes to over time so you can be productive with the goals you've set for yourself. We're on a mission to create this for people and our one thing is coaching. So if you like what you hear on this podcast and you wanna learn more about how you can bring the principles, the tools, the concepts of the one thing to you personally or to your business, visit theonething.com slash coaching to learn more. Now let's go talk to Julie and think about being intentional and why who you're being matters. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The One Thing Podcast. We're lucky to have Julie Ciardi on with us today. And Julie is a business and mindset coach on a mission. She's on a mission to help ignite women to design the lives that they love rather than living by default. Julie teaches and coaches women how to start their dream business and is uniquely positioned to strategize for business growth, having spent 20 years in a Fortune 50 company as a sales and marketing vice president. Julie, thanks so much for being on today. Oh, Chris, I'm so excited to be here. I'm a longtime fan and just honored to be here with you guys today. That's great. So you made this big transition from working in corporate America at a Fortune 50 company, I believe IBM, if I'm not mistaken, as a as a big shot VP in sales and this long career. What made you want to make the jump and, and take on this new career and this new passion? Yeah, well, we definitely have a, an age difference. I'm older, I'm 48. And when I was in college and, you know, kind of finishing up college, there the word entrepreneur wasn't even really a thing, to be honest with you. Like that wasn't even on the radar. You know, anyone that I knew that owned a business, it was usually a local business. Maybe it was a restaurant or the local mechanic or the hair salon. There, it wasn't really, other than that, wasn't really something that was talked about. It was you go into a profession, you become a nurse, a doctor, a lawyer, you go work for a company and get a good job and, you know, work your way up in that company. And that was still the mentality, you know, in the mid nineties when I was leaving college. So there was this like feeling inside of me that I was like, I still wasn't on the right path. I still was trying to figure out what I was going to do when I grew up, but I had to get a job. I was leaving college and, um, I ended up, you know, kind of falling into marketing and sales, following, falling into marketing and sales. I got my MBA and ended up getting a job at IBM. And, you know, from the outside, you know, everyone was very happy about that, right? Like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. What a company. And I wasn't ecstatic about it. I just, it was kind of like what I thought I should do. So from the time I started there and for the 20 years, I was there for two decades at IBM 
there was this nudge inside of me the entire time that you're not supposed to be here, that you're supposed to be doing something else. You're made for something else. And I kind of kept putting it aside, but it would rear its head constantly. At the same time that was happening, I am an overachiever, right? I'm going to you know, get to the next level. That's just kind of what I do. And I was on a fast path there. I became, you know, an executive uh, in my early 30s and then a vice president by the time I was 39. And I was making fantastic money. And I, I got into what I like to call the income lifestyle trap. So you're making great money. You're successful. You then build your life around that. You know, I had three kids during that time, lived in a beautiful home, took great vacations, you know, great, great, great place to be but I wasn't feeling fulfilled in my work, in what I was doing, but I felt trapped. And you'll appreciate this. I, several times during the 20 years, I went down the path to try to maybe do something different. And I knew I didn't want to go work for someone else. And back then, again, entrepreneurship was not what it is today. You'd maybe, you know, do things like franchise. And I remember I was on, I went on the phone, uh, the phone with like several companies to see if I could do franchising. And then it seemed really risky and decided not to do it. And then I remember going on entrepreneur.com. And this is before, before like, you know, the internet, what it is, what it is today. I wanted to learn more about starting my own business. And they sent me a five inch binder in the mail of information of how to become an entrepreneur. Like that's, this is what we were dealing with at the time. We have never lived, by the way, in a better time to be able to go and create whatever kind of business that you want to create. But even just a few years ago, you're still getting five inch binders in the mail on how to become an entrepreneur. So I kept pushing it aside. And I think Chris, the biggest, sometimes the universe, God comes in and just like kicks you in the behind of like, you're not answering the call. So we're going to help you along the way. Out of the blue, IBM wanted me to start going into Manhattan for work every single day, which for me was a two and a half hour commute each way by train. And that meant that meant five hours a day, 20 hours a week away from my family, just getting to a job that didn't even really fulfill me. And that was it. I, I turned to my husband and I said, now's the time. I have to take this move. I'm not going to be away from you guys this much in a job I don't love. And it, that was in 2017 and made the decision that I was going to take the big leap and start my own business. Wow. I think so many people can relate to this, what you called like the income and lifestyle trap. And you just get stuck in this, this cycle of momentum. And, you know, you, it's easy just to continue to say no to this feeling that you have and say yes to this, this repetitive process. And what, what do you think was the biggest, uh, I guess, what is the biggest piece of advice you have for someone to first recognize that and second, like just take the leap? It's about what are you willing to, to do, right? So for me, I was willing, I was willing to take a step back from the lifestyle we were living to pursue what I desired. So I think, you know, again, and I think we still kind of live in this, this, this time where, you know, you're constantly on the trajectory up, you know, you kind of, you either get a job or you start a business and you're, 
constantly looking to, you know, get better and better and better and maybe make more money and increase your income. And maybe you start in an apartment and then maybe you, you know, you get a smaller house and then you ultimately get the bigger house and kind of everything on this trajectory upwards. But why, right? Like, why do, why does that have to be the only way? And so when I made that decision that I, I didn't want to stay at IBM anymore, I did a lot of, um, I was on a, a flight from New York to Dallas for IBM. And I was like, just taking notes and like, how could we make this change? Because I was also the primary breadwinner as well. My husband is now retired, but he was a police officer. And so a lot of our lifestyle did rest on my income. And so, and I felt very guilty, not like wanting to do something different too. So that's a whole other story. So what I sat down with is I remember an accountant said to us once, listen, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much money you keep. And I just sat down and I was, I kept asking myself the question, what am I willing to give up to create a business that I love and not be working for someone else? And the first thing that came to mind was the house. (laughs) (laughs) And we lived in this like big 4,000 square foot house. And I, I came home to my husband. I said, listen, like, do we have to live in this house? If it's keeping me, you know, handcuffed to a job and a career that I don't love, what if we downsized for a bit? What if we, instead of being on this trajectory upwards, what if we took the exit ramp for a little while and, you know, kind of made some shifts and then just got on another trajectory upwards? And so we kind of put the brakes on things. He actually, thankfully, was super supportive. We did sell the house. We we moved to a smaller house. Um, we reduced our um, taxes, mortgage, everything by 60%, six zero. And that gave us the ability for me to really like step away and get some time to build my business. So in terms of advice, it's what are you willing, right, to, to do or to decide for the dream? You know, we talk about being committed to something, but are you willing, you know, are you willing to do what's required? And I, I just knew, I knew that when I like, hopefully lived to be in my eighties or nineties, I wanted to look back and love what I did. And I knew in that moment I wasn't going to, and I would have regrets. And so I was willing to make some pretty bold moves to make that happen. And it's paid off in a really wonderful way, but it was a big risk, you know, and but sometimes you got to be willing to risk big to create the life that you want. That's so well said. And, and sometimes the risk is purely perception too, right? The risk may not be as big as it seems on the surface. And in fact, maybe the risk is on the other side, which is well, what's at risk if you don't make that change? Uh, you know, what's at stake for you if you continue down this, the, even if it's a growth trajectory that you're on, uh, like you mentioned, right? Do, do you find value in considering that question? Oh, 100%. In fact, actually, the book's right behind me. The, the book that actually was the, the catalyst for deciding that I had to do this was The Top Five Regrets of the Dying by Bronnie Ware. And mm. that's what you know, we, we end up living lives and making decisions based on how others feel that we should be living our life or, you know, what even society, right? Like people thought we were insane that we were selling our house, but then after we downsized and everyone saw they're like, Oh, I think you have a trend here. Like they, they thought it was amazing, right? Like, wow, you left a job that you didn't love. And, you know, but society, maybe it's, you know, parents, maybe it's, you know, others in your life, 
we make a lot of decisions, you know, based on, on what's normal and what the expectations are. And that book, that changed everything for me. And that's what, to your point, that's where I said, you know what, what is at stake here? I've got one shot. My, my uncle used to always say, um, this isn't a dress rehearsal. You know, he's like, this isn't a dress rehearsal. Like you got one shot at this. Like you got to sometimes make decisions that are not easy, but are worth it. And so it, it came down to that for me. Absolutely. What the, the, what was at stake if I didn't having regrets was something I didn't want to have when I was older. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Yeah, I, I shared this recently. Uh, it came up recently. And once upon a time, I was uh, introduced to this, this really interesting calendar. And the calendar was like a scratch off of sorts. And you kind of figured out how old are you and estimate you know, you'll live to X age. And each there's a week for you know each, each week that remains in, in your life based on where you are and how long you'll live. And each week you're supposed to scratch off that previous week. And I did this exercise and it was, it was pretty insightful because every time you scratch a week, you're like, wow, like that, I'm not scratching another week doing something I don't want to do. And it's, it's wild when you have that visceral experience of actually scratching the week. And that for me was hugely impactful. And I think about that all the time when I'm getting to the end of a week and reflecting and looking back and saying, well, did I invest this week in the things that matter most to me and what I want? Or did I just spend it doing things that I always do? That's, that's powerful. And it reminds me, uh, Steve Jobs had a quote that I, I use a lot with my, my, my clients where he said he would look in the mirror for 33 years, he would look in the mirror. And if he didn't want to do what he was about to do that day, he knew he had to change something. Mm. And I thought, wow, I went 20 years. Like he would do it every day. And if he said, if the answer was no for a couple, that's what it is. If the answer was no for a couple days in a row, he knew he had to change something. Mm. My answer was no for 20 years, for two decades. And so, you know, sometimes I look back and again, I'm, I'm a big fan of not having regrets. I'm a big fan of that things play out exactly how they're supposed to. And I know that it's part of what I do now. I help women make that decision a lot faster <laughs> than I did. And it's, it just fuels me, right? Because that's, that's two decades that I, you know, that I can't get back, but I I was, I would have said no every single day to what I was about to do from a professional standpoint and nothing against IBM. They're a great company. It's that it didn't fulfill me what I was doing. And that sometimes we can be, you know, in this like kind of like lukewarm, comfortable place, 
but it's not fulfilling. It's not lighting us up. And I think that we eventually hit a point where that really hits ahead. And I think it happens, it can happen at a lot of different ages, but it's, it's almost like, I think when you're, you're kind of getting to your end of your thirties and turning 40 and in that time, like you start to go, wait a minute, is this what I was meant to do? Is this what, why I'm here? And when the answer is no, it can be really scary to make a change. But just like you and I were just talking about, what's at risk if you don't? Because we don't know how much time we have, right? And we don't want to have those regrets. Absolutely. And I know you're part of your mission is you're focused on with women, how to design lives that they love rather than living by default. And that sounds like it's drawing from your personal experience, clearly. Uh, so what If someone is getting started and they're inspired by this conversation, what, what would you recommend they they think about or how do, how do they start to take action or what steps would you suggest to Well, get you know what's moving? so interesting, Chris, is that that's the first thing we do, right? We go, what do I need to do? Mm. Right? And some of the best advice I ever received when I was first trying, because I want you want to figure it out. Like, okay, but I don't think I love what I'm doing. So how do I change? What do I do? Right? We always go to what do I do? And the doing is important. We have to take steps. We got to take action. There's, you know, got to make a plan, all those things. But it's almost the question of who do I want to be? Who do I want to be? Like it's it's such an inner journey. I think I I spent a lot of time when I knew I wanted to leave IBM searching outside of me for what the answer was. I'm like, okay, so what could I do? And I'm, you know, looking outside of me. I remember, you know, trying to talk to a coach and look at, yeah, I wanted someone else to tell me what, you know, what would be right for me. But really it's such an inner journey and we actually already know, but we have to listen. So I know it sounds kind of woo-woo, but you've got to like, just actually spend some time with yourself you got to spend some time with yourself. You've got to start asking questions. Like I was just, I was just recording one of my own podcasts on this, um, where I like to do an exercise called future memories. So we have past memories and we play them over in our head all the time about past events, but you can do the same thing with the future. Like think about what you want life to be like. So right now your Mondays through Fridays are a certain way. How do you want them to be? How do you want to feel? What do you envision yourself doing? What literally lights every cell in your body on fire? You know, just spending some time literally old school with a piece of pen, a piece of paper and a pen and letting some of that come out because it's actually already in there, but we've pushed it aside and we're on all the shoulds, right? Let some of that inspiration come out. The more that you can go a little bit in, you're going to get some intuitive hits. I call them like downloads. For me, I always go for a walk, like just a walk in in nature to like, and asking myself some questions. And it's amazing how the answers come. And once you kind of have some ideas of what you want life to be like, who do you want to be? What kind, you know, what, what is going to light you up? Then you can start thinking about what do I need to do? Right. And my big thing on the, what to do, get inspired by others that are doing what you want to do. The more that you can, and and so if you really don't know, if you just know, okay, I know I want to be my own boss. I know I want to start my own business. Find some books, some podcasts where you can start listening to others tell their story. That's how I got inspired. When I started hearing others talk about their stories of the businesses they created, it started to give me some downloads and some ideas and then taking the next step. When I heard about coaching, I just knew, like I knew it in my soul. 
I'm like, that. no, that's what I need to do. That's the part I loved the most at IBM. I would mentor and coach women while I was at IBM. And when I really look back, the, the things that lit me up while I was at IBM was when I got to coach and mentor women. And when I got to teach, I love being able to put together concepts and being able to teach. So I used to teach like, you know, our sales teams and our marketing teams and things like that. We all have these breadcrumbs of things that light us up and they can translate into our own businesses or into different industries or whatever that may be. So you really have all the, the, the signs in you. You just have to actually spend a little bit of time with yourself, you know, and set up a meeting with yourself and start to actually go in because all the answers are right there and they start to then reveal themselves. We think the other thing we do, Chris, is we want to know all the steps and we want the final outcome. Like we just want to know the whole thing. And another Steve Jobs quote, seem to be quoting him today, um, is that we can't connect the dots, right? Looking forward, we can only connect them looking back. And so you just take the next step. And then the next step, and the cool part is, is that the next step does get revealed, but only if you're taking action. And then it like all starts to breed upon itself and and you can't quite know exactly where it's going to all land, but you just keep following your intuition. You keep following the next step and it's amazing where you can be a year from now. Absolutely. What comes to mind for me there is how often I see a reluctance to get started because there's this expectation that you have a tremendous amount of clarity on what it is that you're searching for, where you, where you want to go out of the gate. And what I hear you saying is that it's it's more about you know progress and just going, getting momentum, and then the clarity will come as as you as you can't see over the horizon. You're not going to have a perfect perspective. And I love how you talked about because I, I I go here a lot too. It's really it's about having goals and, and and knowing at least some directionally where you want to head, but thinking about who you want to become in that process, not always necessarily like a tangible place that you want to get to, maybe both, but thinking also about like who who are you trying to be on a on a weekly basis, daily basis. I think that's so powerful to think that way. And, and I think too, if I could just add one more thing to that that you know is mm-hmm. is really important because what happens sometimes is that when we're not really intentional you could end up actually going into the next thing still with the same patterns that you had in the other thing. So for me, when I really took a step back and I said, what do I value? What Mm. I valued was freedom and fulfillment. Those were my two words. I want freedom, meaning I want a free calendar. I do not want to be so fully booked five days a week and all the things. And I want to feel fulfilled in what I'm doing. And those two words have helped me with how I've built my business. Because when I was working with some coaches and learning how to build my business, I could see, oh, I don't want to build it like that. I would watch some entrepreneurs who built these big teams and these big businesses, and now they were managing you know, large teams. And I knew having had come from that, I didn't want to do that, right? So even how I've built my business has been by design. It's it's how I want my Monday through Friday to, see, to be like. It's how I want my schedule to look like. And I even make decisions on the kind of offers that I'm going to have or programs or if I'm going to offer one-on-one or any of those things I, or who I'm hiring. I make it on how I want my life to be. And that's powerful because I've seen a lot of people that end up not loving the business that they create 
right? So it's this, it's this word intention and just being really intentional. What do you want? And always asking yourself that, like, what do I want? Who do I want to be? What do I want my life to look like? And then trying to make those decisions, really staying in alignment with that. Yeah, absolutely. And it can be hard to think for people to get that clarity to understand what they want because it take it requires you find some time to do it and maybe even on a, on a regular interval. You talked about going for a walk. Uh, I know I I 30 minutes every day, I do some smaller reflection and then for an hour at the end of every week. Uh, that's what I do. But do you have any any other uh, forms of reflection or clarity that that you do to help get especially early on to start to paint a picture directionally of of where you, what you want your weeks to look like or where you want I to go? I would say find what works for you to get the intuitive hits and clarity. And I think what I remember when I was first becoming an entrepreneur and I kept hearing, oh, you have to have the perfect morning routine. And if you just had the perfect morning routine, like everything, I'm like, okay, I need the perfect morning routine. And I think I like binge listened to po- any podcast that came up that had perfect morning routine. And I I have books over here, perfect morning routines. And they were all very structured. And you do this and you do this and you do this and you do this. And none of it ever really worked for me in the way that I wanted it to. And what I came to realize, it's it's just not a checklist. It's not a to-do list. There's no one right way. You have to find the way that works for you. And what for me, it is walking. And now, like if someone asked me right now, what is my number one strategy growing my business. It's my, it's my hour walk in the morning (laughs) because I, and I do it without fail because that's when all the downloads come. I need to move my, I cannot just meditate. And then the things come to me. It's, it's like walking meditation. Like I need to be moving in nature, rain or shine. I'm out there. Snow doesn't matter. I'm out there. And the hits come. If I tried to sit in a chair with a journal and meditate, those same hits wouldn't come. But the only way that I figured it out was trial and error. There's a great book. It's called Feeling is the Secret. It's this teeny little tiny book from Neville Goddard from way back in the day. Um, I used to work with Bob Proctor and he like was a huge Neville Goddard fan. So feeling is the secret. It's the truth. How you feel, the frequency of how you feel is everything. So you know what? Test it out. If you sit and you meditate and you try to write in a journal, and it doesn't feel great, and the it doesn't you know like the getting the hits and all the things. That's not the right modality for you. If it's walking and you just can't stop the ideas coming in, that works for you, right? So it's all about what feels right. Don't force it. I think there's a lot of like forcing of all these things we're supposed to do, right? You know, with meditation and this and that. Just do what what feels good. Because when we feel good, that's when the intuitive hits. When we force something, it doesn't flow. So experiment. Find find the modality, the tool, the process that feels good. And you constantly are getting the, the downloads, the intuitive hits. Like I text myself on my walk because the, the, the ideas just keep downloading. I'm like, okay, I like text myself and then I come home and I take all those ideas and I like then put them in a journal or put them in, on my computer. But that's a process that I figured out over time that's worked really well for me. So I would just say to anyone listening, play with it. See what works for you. See where the ideas flow. See what opens you up to intuition and you know, and and you, your own inner guidance. That's the key. Well said. Yeah, you have to find what works for you. And like you said, if, try to identify the things that feel good and that are working. And then 
I guess if you're trying new things, make sure that you have, or would you suggest having some kind of reflection to identify which ones are working well for you or just continue to gravitate towards the things that, that feel good? Exactly. And you feel it like you can just, it's just a frequency in your body, you know, so you know, it's like an inner guidance system, right? Something either feels good or it doesn't feel good. It feels forced, you know, and that's, you got to find the right thing. Absolutely. And I, I know that you're, you've been really drawn toward at IBM and now with your business towards coaching women primarily and, and this transition and tools for success. And are there any unique obstacles that, that women face as they venture into this, this new, new place or try to take these risks that ultimately help them live a more fulfilled life? A hundred percent. I mean, a lot of the women that I work with, they pretty much are, you know, in their thirties up to, I think one of my oldest clients is 75. She just started a business last year at 75. Good for her. That's awesome. I love her so much. And so it, it really runs the gamut. However, even age in their 30s to 70s still, there is still a lot of shoulds and expectations on women, right? Still. Mm. And so there's a lot of um, guilt. There's a lot of guilt because they feel like if they're going to work on their business, it's going to take time away from the shoulds, right? The shoulds of, you know, even still house and kids and all these things. So there's a lot of guilt. A um, lot of um, some self-confidence of putting themselves out there. Uh, they feel like, well, who am I? All the who am I to be putting myself out there in this way? Um, because when you are starting your own business, you need to self-promote. I mean, most of the women that I work with have a services-based business. And when you have a services-based business, you're marketing you. So your business is you. So what's interesting is that your business can't outperform you. So that's why our whole philosophy is that the inner work and the inner growth and busting through like old thinking, habitual thinking, habitual feelings, habitual way of doing things, you got to bust through that because other, otherwise known as obviously the limiting beliefs, we, we hear that word, all those two words all the time, but that's what, what limiting beliefs really are. It's habitual thought patterns, habitual feelings, habitual actions or inactions that have to get changed to get the new results. Like there is no other way. And so very often what is the only thing holding back, and these women have amazing ideas. I mean, from women who, um, like I have one client who uh, is an adoption coach and she literally is helping you know, uh, parents with adoption and all that comes with that and after adopting and, and, and all that comes with that. It's, it's beautiful. We have, I have another client who, you know, she ha- um, was diagnosed with chronic liver disease. And so over the years, she's figured out ways in which to help people. And so she literally helps people who are battling chronic liver disease. I mean, beautiful, like just wonderful things that people are doing, but they can't put, they're not putting themselves out there. No one can know that they exist because they actually have to promote themselves. And so the inner work is so intertwined with their marketing, with getting themselves onto podcasts, for example, and all the things like they have to actually promote themselves. So there's deep, deep seated habitual patterns that a lot of women still have. And that's where we bust through. And that's the most rewarding thing to me, to be honest. I love that they're growing these businesses, but to see them step more fully into who they really are, into, you know, 
the higher level of confidence and um and and kind of just that that unique the uniqueness of them has been some of the most exciting things to to see. That's awesome. And 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 if I understand there's uh maybe four things or four steps that that you believe in around marketing your business in this context and could you share those if if that's true? Yeah, and I'll I'll, I'll put it kind of in context with with what we were just talking about. So with, as I said, right, your business cannot perform you when you have a services-based business, especially if you're a coach or you're some kind of a service provider. So your business, your business cannot perform your marketing and your marketing cannot perform you. Like that's just the way it is. But what I have seen as I've come into this um, entrepreneurial online space is that we've kind of forgotten some of the timeless business strategies and tactics that are required, right? So I had to have mm. an interesting like, you know, perspective because I have my MBA. I spent 20 years, you know, at IBM in marketing and sales. And when I came into the online space, I was just like, wait a minute, like we're kind of forgetting some of the basics here. So I like to literally, and it, it's so basic, but people aren't necessarily thinking of it in this way. So when it comes to an online business and marketing your, your, especially your own services, there's, there's really four things. Two of them are marketing. One is you have to have new leads coming in at all times, but then you have to nurture those leads. Step two is nurturing them. And what I find in the online space, it's all about got to get the leads, got to build the email list, got to bring all these leads in, you know, these people, but like people need to be nurtured. There's a relationship that need to happen. In fact, when I was at IBM, we would be like in trouble if the marketing department sent leads to the sales team before they were adequately like warmed up, nurtured, you know, they were, they were warm, they were hot. It, we don't, we don't see that happening as much in the online space. And it's so important. And honestly, it takes a little longer, but it's so important to develop those relationships, to actually nurture people into trusting you, into believing you people by belief right? People buy belief. They cannot know if your service is going to work for them. They cannot know what it's like on the other side working with you until they actually already pay you money. So they're paying you money because they believe. And so the first part is new leads and nurturing leads to get them to believe. And if genuinely, and if they believe, then they're going to buy and that's sales right? You got to be then um, doing sales daily. And then the last is how you deliver. So those are the four things. It's new leads, nurture, sales, and delivery. Here's what happens. Everyone wants to get to the sales. And then of course, everyone wants to deliver. But there's so much marketing involved. And it's about the new leads. It's about the nurture. And I think that if there's one thing I would love, if anyone's a business owner to really take away from that is your job, your number one job is to in integrity, have someone believe that you are the right person for them that can solve their problem with your solution. And if they believe, they will buy. We overcomplicate that. So that's your number one job. You got to get people to believe and they got to believe you. And that's how they're going to pay you. It's, you said, yeah, you said something earlier that that I think I've seen many times over is especially when someone transitions into entrepreneurship or you have a new startup that's trying to be a little bit disruptive is that you want to shuck all of these perceived archaic business processes and things that maybe you're just 
you've been around so long that you try to swing the pendulum maybe too far the other way and you lose some of those needed fundamentals that you're talking about. And, and then in that kind of nurturing and talked about building trust, it's, it's so important because it's, it's difficult sometimes to communicate all of the value that you see behind the paywall, if you will, of, of your service. And so how do you like get that to the customer and make them believe and understand like the value is there? And question is like, how, how do you see the balance of uh, getting enough information there for someone to really, you know, make an informed buying decision about like truly the value of your product, but not like, uh, what's what, what's what I'm looking for? Like overcomplicate your your pitch or add too much where you get kind of lost in the details. Well, I think what happens, right, is that everyone, you know, the the everyone wants it to be fast, right? So mm. it's like, how can I cram? Like I, this would always crack me up, right? I'd see like these emails come through, like the one funnel to skyrocket your business, okay? <laughs> or you know, you know, the the one webinar pitch that's going to, you know, convert people like crazy. And it's that mentality. And that could be true. A hundred percent. You could probably create a funnel that can do that. A hundred percent. You could create a webinar that converts like that. A hundred percent. But that mentality, especially when with people just starting out or they're trying to grow their business, it's like, it creates this like urgency that then creates a bit of some ickiness in how they're selling and how they're marketing, right? Come at it from a service. Like what I think if I could sum it to what, like a really simple way to do it, stop asking, you know, how can I get someone to buy this or what can I create that will sell or how do I create the webinar that will convert and rather be like, how can I show up and serve my dream client today? How can I show up and serve my dream client today? And when you, you come from that space, you, your energy, what you're bringing to the table, people feel it. It goes back to the little book I just shared. Feeling is the secret. People feel you before you say anything. People can feel your energy. They can feel if you're coming from a place of service or of sales. And it mm. is different. And that is so, so important to remember. And I, even as an entrepreneur, I can forget that sometimes. And I'll be in my, okay, we got to get sales up. And how do we get sales up? It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Back out to my dream client. She needs me. How can I serve her? And the funny thing is, every time I do that, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to host a free workshop on this topic. That way I can help people. And if someone like is getting that no love and connect, trust connection with me and they love what I'm saying and they love the offer that I make at the end of that workshop and they want to work with me, awesome, right? And if you're coming at it from that perspective, you're going to create marketing. You're going to create sales events. You're going to show up in that service and people feel that. And I would say, Chris, now more than ever, we're all super savvy now more than ever, right? To you know the different online tactics. And when you can lead with your heart, lead with service, you're going to win. You're going to win. Yeah. The words that come to mind for me are coming from a place of like authenticity and transparency. And it, but if, like you said, if you start asking the question, like, what you know, my dream customer, like, how do I serve them? Approach building your, your business and your leads around solving problems for that person genuinely. Then there's, there is a level of transparency that I guess it's a question for you. Do you see there being value and some transparency and saying like, if you believe in the service, then, you know, hey, we want to we wanna provide this to you and just saying, I'm going to, you don't have to outright say I'm going to sell, but here's the, a oh, product yeah. and this is what I'm, I'm doing. 
You I see love what I'm that saying? you use the word transparency. I, I think it's, it's so, so important. And it's, it, I, I love that you use it because I, I, that's what I, I just literally, I have a free workshop that I'm doing this week. And I've said from the get-go, I'm going to share a new program that we're launching, right? So I'm letting them know ahead of time. There's no surprise. There's no like bait and switch, you know? And it's always, if this is right for you, you know, versus a lot of the, you know, and there's trust me, I get it. There's marketing tactics that work, you know, FOMO and urgency and scarcity and all of that kind of stuff. But people just, they, they, they feel that. And I think what happens is that that might get the sale, but now you've got to deliver. And when people, if they're, if they felt that, or they feel like they got like almost either bamboozled or forced or like pressured into making a decision, they're not going to feel as good on the other side. And it also puts a lot of pressure on the delivery side as well. When you have raving fans that can't wait to pay you, it makes the delivery side even better, right? Because every, they're excited to be there. You can't wait to, you know, to, to help them. So it, it really pays off across the board. But here's the thing, if we're going to be honest, it will probably make your business grow slower than if you were using some of those other tactics. However, my whole philosophy is I'm in it for the long haul. I'm not trying to come in and grow real quick and make a ton of money and then exit. (laughs) Like I want to serve and I really want to build a sustainable business that has a, um, a legacy to it, you know? And so don't be afraid of that. I think people are afraid, you know, to, um, to, to be really transparent and maybe afraid to lose the sale or whatever, but Trust me, when the when the right person knows that you can solve their problem and they want to work with you, they're going to pay you when it works for them. You said raving fans and sustainability, and I think there's there's something there from even from a growth perspective around referrals inside of your business too, right? If you are if referrals are an important part of how you structure your your business, then coming from that place you're describing is going to feed the growth through that channel as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So what challenges outside of what we talked about do you see most often with uh, women entrepreneurs who are making this this leap into this unknown space? What are the big challenges that you see most often? So one of the big ones is that uh, they typically have a day job that they're looking to exit. So they're trying to build this business at the same time that they're, they're, they have their day job. And since I tend to work with women that, you know, probably were a lot like me at the time too, we're achievers and we want to do well. And so they're trying to like still be the best at their day job and try to grow this business. And so part of where I've coached women is saying, I've almost had to coach them back from like, just be like, do you want the promotion at the day job? And they're like, well, no, I, I want to leave and start my own business. Okay. Well, stop trying to go for the promotion, you know, do a great job, do your job but stop trying to go so far above and beyond in the day job because that's not the goal, right? The goal isn't to get the promotion. So I find that what happens is, is that they're kind of trapped in like wanting to be that achiever in both. And it really is draining. So it's a little bit of like, you've got to self-coach yourself to, you know, all right, is that, what is the end goal here? Is the end goal for me to be an executive in this company or is the end goal for me to actually exit and have my own business? How can I show up and do a fantastic job for what I'm being paid for and 
make sure I'm carving out the time to be growing my business. So that's a big challenge that I, I see often. And people are afraid to make the leap. So then they end up staying in the day job way longer. And then there's only so much time in the day. A lot of the women I work with have children. And so it ends up becoming a dilemma. They have to decide, you know, when they're going to actually leave the job, keep going in with the the business. And everyone wants that certainty and it's just not going to be there, right? We don't know. And so what I always say is when I was making this decision and it's different for everybody on terms, in terms of, you know, when the time is right to actually, you know, leave the job for the business, but what's the worst thing that can happen? The business doesn't succeed and you go back and get a job, which is exactly where you are right now. So you just, that's one of the big challenges I see. Um, The other challenge that I see is it goes back to what we were talking about of everyone wanting things to happen faster than they do. So everyone wants their business to like be wildly successful right out of the gate. And I always say it's like a baby, right? Like when you have a baby, you are not looking at this six week old or this four month old and being like, all right, get up and walk, go dress yourself, like go feed yourself already. Will you? Right. But that's what we do at our businesses. We've got these baby businesses and we expect, them to be like a six figure business or whatever, like immediately. And it doesn't work like that. I always say there's no overnight successes. You get overnight breakthroughs though, if you stick with it long enough. So one of the the hurdles is developing the skill of persistence, that you've got to persist with the business just like you would like a puppy, a newborn, you've got to like stay the course to get the reward. And just people want it to be so much faster. And again, it's what's sold out there, right? What is, what's sold out there is, you know, 30 days to 10K months or like these promises. And that really typically doesn't happen like that, you know, maybe for a, a rare few. So it's managing that expectation and finding that balance of sticking with it, even when they're not seeing the results that they want to get. In fact, I had one client that um, she'd been working on her business for a year wanted to leave her corporate job. And she even had done like, I think like 20 something consults and none of them converted into her, like into a paying client. And she's like, like, forget it. This is, why am I even doing this? Right. And we worked on her consults and kind of made some tweaks and she went back at it again. And she had like a $25,000 month. That was an overnight breakthrough. Right. But after a year of like not being able to close the consult, it's, it's, it's not, it's not as fast as you think it's going to be, but then when it happens, you're like, oh, and then the momentum carries you forward, but you have to be in it with some persistence to really get to the reward. Yeah. There's, there's a saying I hear a lot that I like that in the beginning, especially, but at times it can feel like you're succeeding so slowly that it feels like you're failing. But in fact, you're just on the very like the grip tape of the hockey stick, if you will. And so you got you to gotta ride that for a while before you really start to see the exponential success because it just takes time to build yeah. the momentum. And it can feel like you're failing because you're succeeding so slowly. You said yeah, something yeah, earlier. Other people around you like, you know, going, so how's it going? You know, like I remember when yeah. I was starting and my husband's like, all right. So he was like thinking that I was going to be making exactly what I was making at IBM, like <laughs> right away. I'm like, yeah, this is going to take a little while. <laughs> yeah. Hence the smaller house. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, you, you said something earlier and I know there's a whole world to unpack 
in in the, in this, but you said self coaching, and I know that's something that you believe is important or kind of like a linchpin on success. And I agree. But can you explain a little bit more about what you mean and believe in around self coaching? Yes. So I think it's pretty common that you know, especially in the business world or even in the career world now, that you know, when you want to go after a big goal in your business or career, you work with a coach. You know, a lot of us do that. We work with coaches, and it's great. I, I do too. But a coach can't be with you every minute of every day when you're actually working on your business or, you know, when you're, you know, working on getting that promotion or whatever it is. And so the more that someone can understand that their role in all of this, right, kind of that radical self-responsibility is you've got to self-coach yourself. And what what I like to think of with self-coaching is typically, and it's what the, I have we're not going to, if you're on the podcast, you can't see the formula behind my head, but I have a formula around this because we all want a result. We all want a goal we're striving towards. Maybe it's to get your business launched. Maybe it's to get your business to, you know, $20,000 a month, whatever it is. That's the goal. We all go to, what do I need to do? Right. Which is the action. What do I need to do? What are all the steps? How do I, what do I need to do so I can have the result? But it's who you're being that matters the most. And who you're being, it's, you could say it's your attitude, it's your mindset, you know, it's really your thoughts and feelings. You know, your attitude is your thoughts and feelings, how you're showing up. And so what happens is, is that everyone, you know, well, I tried that and it didn't work or, and all the, the steps. Well, I, try, I posted on Instagram and no one, no one liked it, or I posted and no one booked a consult with me or whatever. Those are just actions. Who you're being matters. And I'll give you, I'll give you a great example. So I had a client who was hosting an event. It was an in-person event. And she, um, it was, it was like a local event and she knew she needed to get people there. She spent money on the event she was trying to, you know, get people there. It was free event, but she knew she was going to be selling something at the end of the event. So she started to reach out to a ton of people like in Facebook messenger, like, Hey, I'm hosting this event. Love to have you come. And so she came to the call and she's like, Julie, I reached out to like 45 people in messenger and no one came. And I said, okay, tell me what you were thinking and feeling when you were sending out those messages. And she's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, just how'd you feel? Like, think of a message you sent, how, what were you thinking and feeling? She was like, well, I was worried I was bothering them. I didn't want to be annoying. I was like thinking about that. Oh my God, are they going to think I'm trying to sell them something? That was her energy. Those were her, that was her thinking that was, those were her feelings. Of course, no one joined, no one came to it. Had her thoughts and feelings, had she managed her thoughts and feelings, had she done a little self-coaching to say, hey, before I send one of these messages, what's going through my body right now? How am I thinking? What am I feeling? If she had self-coached herself to go, you know what? This is going to be an epic event. This is going to help people. Anyone that comes to this event, they are going to walk away, whether they buy from me or not, they're going to walk away changed because of X, Y, Z, right? Had she done that, she would have actually gone into those messages in a totally different way. And Mm. people feel that, right? It's who we're being matters more than what we're doing. You could do things, you know, halfway, but if you're doing it with confidence and passion and, you know, in a great attitude and good mindset, you'll go a lot further than doing it perfectly. And, you know, having doubt, thinking it's not going to work. Why am I even doing this? Why am I posting on Instagram? No one even comes anyway, right? Like this is, that's it. This, this managing your thoughts and your feelings really, really, really matter. So We've got different ways that we do it, but it's really about the awareness of it, right? It's like, before you get on, I always tell my clients, before you get on a consult, before you get on a consult, 
manage your thoughts and feelings. What are you thinking? How are you feeling? What is the overall vibe you're going in to that consult with? It's going to matter. And so that self-coaching and being intentional, I use it all the time. I, I've used it as a parent. So with my kids, I, I really want to be intentional on who I want to be with them. And I want to be able to respond versus react. You know, if they're having a temper tantrum, or if this is happening, I want to be able to respond the way I want to. So I self-coach myself on that. I, I really, and it's, 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 it's not easy to pause yourself and to do some of this self-coaching in the moment. And trust me, I do not always do it, especially with my husband. <laughs> I'm still working on the self-coaching on that perspective. But it's like, it, it really makes such a difference. You're a much more intentional person versus a reactive person. So you can use it when it comes to money, business, career, uh, relationships, health and wellness, really taking stock of who you're being. What are the thoughts? What are the feelings? What's coming up for you? Is it an, is it a negative attitude and energy? Is it a positive one? It really, really matters. And that is something you need to learn to do because you can't have a coach right next to you the whole time, right? Like over your shoulder with helping you every step of the way. So that's just something I'm really passionate about because as I said, you can't outperform your business can't outperform you. Your health cannot outperform you. Your relationships can't outperform you. So you got to manage you. And self-coaching yourself is a very powerful thing to, to learn how to do. Mm, it's well said. I always I think of it typically in the context of accountability. And when I think of self-coaching, and I like the, I think that is true in what you're saying also, but I like what you, you said about who you're being matters and and being conscious of, being intentional about who you're going to be in the next meeting or the next phone call or the next conversation or something I, I hadn't thought about, but it, it makes a lot of sense is before you write this email or before you write this, these messages um, to, to customers, like who are, who do I want to be before I even start this email? Cause you think sometimes you're, you're hidden on the other side of that. And I think it's important to call that out too. Yeah, it's huge. People, a lot of people don't think about that and it really matters. Your words, that energy behind it, really matters. Something to it. Something to it for sure. Well, Julie, if the, if you could have our listeners from all the things we talked about today, I know, I know there's a lot in there, but if you could have them take away just one thing from our conversation, what would it be? I, I think it would be the self-coaching. It's about being aware. I, I, and you can boil it down to really two words. It's self-responsibility, right? It's like, even when you use the word accountability, it's being accountable to yourself, right? It's, it's about having that awareness that you get to decide who you want to be, what you want your life to be like, what goals you're going after. You get to decide it. You get to decide it. We don't get to decide all the circumstances that happen to us, but here's what you get to do. No one can control your thinking and your feeling. No one can control that. Only you can. So getting that concept down of radical responsibility, self-responsibility, and, and self-coaching yourself to be who you want to be before you have the results that you want to have. And that is the magic. It's being that now. It's self-coaching yourself to be that now and, and with intention. And it's not easy, but when you can practice this, and I, I like to use the word practice, you got to practice being that version of you with that next big goal, right? Achieved. You got to practice being that person 
now. You practice it in the consults. Maybe you don't have the six-figure business yet, but you got to practice being the six-figure CEO in the consult, you know, and self-coaching yourself to be that. So self-coaching, getting into a method that works for you for self-coaching is probably the most important thing that I could tell the listeners. Awesome. It's a great takeaway. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today, Julie. It's been a pleasure. It was great talking to you. Um, I, I think the listeners have a lot they can learn from your, your methodology and all the things that you're sharing. Before we go, if, if anybody wants to check you out and they like what they heard and maybe they want to work with you or, or listen to your podcast, all those things, where can they find you? Yeah, well, I have the podcast is Ignite Her Mind. So it's, you know, we talk about all of this in a lot of detail. So definitely, if you're a podcast listener, go check out Ignite Her Mind. And then you go to juliecierty.com. I'm always offering free resources, free workshops. You can see also ways in which to work directly with me right there. Awesome. And do you have a new course coming out or something that's uh, yes, on the well, horizon? What I'm really excited, you know, I've helped so many women in business because they've started businesses and all those things. But now I'm offering, I'm really excited. Um, it's a program called Ignite Her Calling. And we're working with women who know they want to leave their job or they know they want to maybe do something different from a, a calling standpoint, but they're not sure what it is. We're offering a new program to help actually discover what that is, which is really exciting. So yeah, it's called Ignite Her Calling. And again, all the information, we've got it you know, updated on our website. Awesome. Well, I hope uh, listeners come check you out. Julie, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Chris. It was such a pleasure. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to The One Thing Podcast. If you're a bold risk taker who wants to dream big and achieve a higher level of success in your life or business, visit theonething.com. There you'll find information on one-on-one coaching, our exclusive community membership program, and customized workshops that will help you get your team or organization aligned and rowing in the same direction. That's T-H-E, the number one, dot com to start living the life you've always dreamed of today. Be sure to follow the show to stay up to date on weekly episodes, guest interviews, and more. Plus, we would love to hear from you. Send us a voice note by going to speakpipe.com slash the one thing or email us at podcast at the one thing.com. We'll see you next week.